the Panhandle News Network. The views and opinions on this station do not necessarily represent the Panhandle News Network, WEPM and WCST, or West Virginia Radio Corporation. It's Panhandle Sports Live. Crossover, step back! Where the Eastern Panhandle of West Virginia comes to get their sports live. Is this the dagger? It is a great night to be a Mountaineer wherever you may be. Agent back to pass. Rush down the pocket. Throwing it downfield. It's into the end zone. Oh, he caught it! Here are your hosts, Jordan Nicewarner, Luke Wiggs, and Parker Stone. It is Wednesday the 26th, and you're tuned in to Panhandle Sports Live, broadcasting live from the Hoppy Kirchville building. Jordan Ice Warner, alongside me, Luke Wiggs and Parker Stone. Good morning, fellas. Good morning. How are we doing this morning? You know, I think you're doing pretty well, because you're a more dangerous man than when you left the studio <laughs> yesterday, right? Yeah. That's right. Shout out to my uh, to my friends out at Shadowhawk Defense, uh, along with Green Monster Firearms. Of course, you can tune in every first and third Tuesday of the month for Trigger Talk Tuesday with Green Monster and Shadowhawk Defense. And they invited me out to do a little shooting yesterday, and um, I didn't, like, grow up with guns around and things like that, but my family was never super, like, anti-guns, so I kind of knew what I was getting into. But, of course, didn't have any of the uh, proper technique. I was getting ready to tilt the gun to the side, <laughs> like like the movies and whatnot, and he started laughing at me, um, all of them over there. But it was fun. Yeah, I got to hit a couple targets, got a couple, uh, what do they call them, center mass mm-hmm. shots and things. I mean, I have no idea what Did I'm talking about. you take the target? So. Did they let you take the thing oh, home yeah. with you? Oh, yeah. Right. It's already, hanging, cool. up. It's already hanging up in the apartment for I sure. think you and I had completely opposite of evenings. Yeah, I went out shooting. You went out to watch the Barbie movie. <laughs> Pretty much, yeah. Was it life-changing? It was, I so the whole purpose of me going to see this movie was I was always intrigued by it because I wanted to see how it was going to work. And I was like, how are they going to make a movie about this? What are they going to do? And, yeah, that's why you wanted to. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah, Laugh that's if you why want. you wanted to watch the cinematic. I was fascinated <laughs> by the cinematography. <laughs> so overall rating, I give it an 8 out of 10. There, there was a subplot in the movie I thought that was unnecessary, from my opinion. Okay. But other than that, I thought they did fantastic. Mar- Margot Robbie did a great job. The, so you look like Barbie? Yeah, I mean, yeah. It's Margot Robbie. That's probably, that's the, clo- true. That's probably the closest that's person true. you can get to playing an actual Barbie. Uh, Ryan Gosling, I think, did fantastic as Ken. I think I think his role was very, very impressive. Arguably, he was the best role in the movie overall for me. Oh, but yeah? I thought Ryan Gosling did absolutely fantastic. That's what's going to be funny about that movie. If it's the Barbie movie, but it's the a male Ken actor that, yeah, yeah. That, that ends up with the Academy Awards. <laughs> But yeah, overall, I think I think it's worth a watch if you haven't seen it yet. It's just the the one subplot in the movie, and if if you're wondering about it, I, I so when she says I am become death, the destroyer of worlds, is that, <laughs> yeah. is that, is that it? I, I think that might I, be the wrong I, movie. I, I, think, <laughs> I think your Barbenheimer's crossing up. Right your Barbenheimer. They kind of bleed together. Yeah. yeah. Were there many people there on a Tuesday night showing? It wasn't a bad showing. I mean, there was a pretty decent amount of people there. Did I'd you do the the Alamo Theater too? Uh no, we went to an AMC oh, okay. for that one. We we were wanting to do an Alamo, but the uh the seating we were looking for the seats and they were pretty close up to the screen, so we just yeah, we just I, I, can't, I don't know how people do that, man. Me neither. I don't know. I feel like I'd break my. I've had to like just because you wanted to get in those the last seats available it makes your head hurt. Oh yeah, my goodness. Well, good. Well, I'm glad you uh I'm glad you enjoyed 
The Barbie movie, man. I'm glad you enjoyed shooting that gun. <laughs> Two of them. Two different ones. Two different ones. Uh, the one one was just bigger than the other. Again, don't ask me what they were because I have no idea what they were. But you can always get in touch with us. You can text us 304-263-4321. You can tweet us at EP News Network. Last night, right here on WPM and WCST, had a TBT doubleheader with Best Virginia and Heard That both in action. Of course, we were talking with uh, with um, with Flowers last week about TBT and different things, and he had said, "Well, uh, you know, don't really want to play Herd Dex. It's the only team they do play, it seems. But it just works out how the bracket uh, filtered out that they will be playing each other yet again to try and keep advancing uh, in this TBT tournament. But it was a good game for Best Virginia, and uh, well, they looked pretty good all together, I think." Yeah, I think so. I, I'm a little bit concerned with the talent on this roster from top to bottom than I was before the tournament began. Um, I, I just think that, you know, they lack a little bit of being able to score off the bounce with the exception of Eric Stevenson. They had Jay Sean Page as somebody that could really go out and get a bucket for him. Uh, Tariq Phillip as well. And they don't have a ton of scoring in isolation. I know they were down a big, and that's going to be huge because heard that might be the best dunking team we've ever seen. In I like their jerseys this year, too. They are cool. Yeah. But, I mean, you look at the lobs that they were running yesterday, offensive rebound putbacks. You know, West Virginia is going to struggle to size up with them. But the inverse of that is going to be true when if you're able to put Kedrian Johnson on John Elmore for long periods of time, who also looked really good yesterday for heard that, that's going to help. Stevenson was great with 18 points. And Kevin Jones, Kevin Jones is, and this is just kind of the bad luck that Mountaineers have had in just about every sport. There's a long list of Mountaineers that had they played in their respective sports five years later would have been significantly better pros. Major Harris, Pat White from football. Kevin Jones, if he had played five years later, would be an absolute weapon in the NBA. I believe that. As a, a power forward that's got unbelievable technique, footwork, yeah. a great shooter at his size. He's the perfect hybrid big that everybody's perfect. looking for yeah. now. He can, he can switch and guard, be a small ball five. He can switch on threes and not be a liability. He was your best player last night. He goes for 22. You know, At this point in his career, he's still I mean, one of the best post technicians in the sport anywhere. So and then you had Tavon Myers, who really uh, excelled as a uh, facilitator. They turned the ball over too much. The two biggest takeaways in terms of what they didn't do well is they turned the ball over 16 times and they only shot four three free throws the entire game. They didn't get to the free throw line until the fourth quarter, which if you look at this like the NCAA tournament, you can't not get to the free throw line. So that's something that's going to have to change, and I'm sure it will change against Heard That. But uh, you know, they were favored. The line moved all the way to 14 before the game tipped off, and they had to win it in the last second with the with the Elam ending. Uh, so Mountaineers, they always do it entertaining, but thankfully they got the job done. And and of course we had uh, our Metro News um, partners and affiliates uh, doing the game last night down in or up in Wheeling, I guess you say, not in Charleston anymore. But looking at the stats here, I mean, Best Virginia they beat. Uh, the boys dream in pretty much everything except for steals, fast break points, and points from turnovers. So I think that uh, goes pretty well with what you're saying. But, yeah, look at it. Tavon Myers, I mean, those seven assists for him, 22 points, like I said, for KJ. Pretty good game. And real quick, can you explain to folks, because it still doesn't really make a ton of sense to me, but that Elam ending, because that's the big the big deal with mm-hmm. TBT. And, and it makes the end of games really entertaining last night. And what was ironic, I was listening to the sideline cancer, who's probably going to be the best team in this region besides best Virginia uh, they were up 20-plus going into the Elam ending and only won the game by single digits. Yeah. It makes the games a lot more exciting. Um, so you play it like normal through three and a half quarters. When you get a dead ball under four minutes, you stop the game, and the team that's leading, you add eight points onto their score, and that's the score you need to get to. So if my team's beating your team 52-50, to 50, 
There's a dead ball under four minutes. You take a regular media timeout. You add eight points to my 52 to get you to 60, and then you just play straight up first team to get to 60 wins. Gotcha. Uh, so it, there's less fouling. You know how games slow down at the end when they play the foul game and have to walk up and down the floor. And it's just, you know, it's a very exciting. I don't know if it's something we'll see implemented in basketball. Every year, best Virginia fans seem to think that that should come to college basketball. Oh, I don't think. I don't know. What I don't it know. does is it increases the amount of comebacks you see. Yeah. Like, which do you want that? You know, do you want to play a whole game of great basketball and then lose in the Elam ending just because you can't finish a game? I don't think so. But it's entertaining for this tournament, mm-hmm. and it was entertaining last night, certainly. Yeah, definitely a fun outing. The TBT is one of those things where you get it right before you really get on the cusp of when we get high school and college football coming back. It's one of those last events of the summer that we have that's really exciting stuff. And I want to ask you both this. With this only being a two-point win for West Virginia, is there a, are we raising a cause for concern with a team that in Dubois that was just put together we saw some of the guys, a lot of these were, well, Division two level players when they were in college. We saw Jake Biss apparently was one of the yeah, guys yeah. yesterday. We we remember a couple years ago what he did against Shepard in, in the Butcher Center when he was playing for Shippensburg. He put on an absolute master class a couple years ago. But is it a cause for concern with how close that game was against a team that in their first year took the number one seed in West Virginia to two points, and now you got to go take on Marshall and Heard that, a team that you saw last year? I think the biggest thing is that heard that they're not well. We talked about this yesterday too, where they haven't necessarily had home court advantage throughout TBT. But I think the fact that they're not in Charleston, they got to go all the way up to Wheeling. They've been up there. I think that does add a little bit to it. But I don't know. I mean, looking at the game for heard that yesterday, they beat Zoo Crew, the Pit team, eighty-six to seventy-one. I mean, Elmore he only had thirteen. Rob Gray had twenty-seven. I mean, this, but. Elmore also had six assists. Add that onto that as well. But I don't know. This seems like this is going to be the toughest contest between Heard That and West Virginia that I think we've seen in the TBT. Yeah, again, Heard That's bouncy. John Elmore's a good facilitator. Ja'Cory Williams is back, and they've got some other bigs that are really good rim runners. But part of the issue with TBT is you look at a 1-8, and you look at it like the NCAA tournament is like a 1-16. The problem is you don't know really how good these teams are going to be. Like you, They change all the time. Their rosters change all the time. There's no way to know if Dubois Dream would have beaten – two-thirds of the other teams in TBT, and it was just unfair to put them against Best Virginia. It's tournament play. You know, they don't ask how. They just want the results. So I think you're right. That was warranted. But, you know, Tavon Meyer said as much when he talked to the guys in postgame. He said, you know, if we fix our turnovers and we get to the free throw line, we would have won this game by double digits. And you've got a Marshall team that you know what you're getting from John Elmore and Ja'Cory Williams, so you're going to have a little bit more familiarity, so it's going to be a little bit more you're you're not going to be as uncomfortable in that matchup, and you're going to have your home fans, and hopefully they turn out well. TBT set a attendance record in Iowa yesterday. There was over wow. seven thousand fans at a game. Huh. So uh, I don't think Wheeling holds seven thousand, but if you could get four or five thousand there at, and give Best Virginia a pretty good chance to play for their regional title, of course, could hear both those games right here on WPM and WCST last night. And here is Tavon Myers after the game. Tavon Myers joins us here, courtside. Tay Tay. Yes, sir. <laughs> oh my God, that was a tough one. You just played. Many, the, you just played a Disney movie there, didn't you? Oh my God, so many turnovers. That, I'm the point guard. That's on me. Well, Turn I, the ball I, over. I, I mean, you brought it up. I didn't want to bring it up, but yeah, you had five of those bad boys. It's, it's all good. You know, you live and you learn. <laughs> okay. Five turnovers. Hey, those guys. Those guys are a lot better than you thought, huh? You know what it is, though. I, I told a, a couple of guys, like throughout throughout the uh, family, I said. A lot of us are overseeing the first game, already talking about Thursday, heard that or pit, and 
all that stuff. Not to say that we can't have a little bit of confidence, but always respect your opponent. That always been me. Um, I remember back when I was a junior, we played against uh, Stephen F. Austin sure. uh, in New York. You gotta bring, you gotta bring that up. I'm just saying, we were looking at them like their 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 clothes and their swag, and I remember like it was yesterday. He looked he looked right at me and said, "We ready?" And Paige said like that. And I'll never forget, I had the feeling right then and there, like, we might lose this game. Like, I knew before the game even started, we might lose this game. And today I had the same kind of feeling. Oh. But we can't tolerate that. He wasn't going out with it. Shout out, Eric. That was a big shot. If he ain't hit big that one, shot. I don't know what would happen. But I know we mentioned your turnovers, and I know you get that cleaned up before Thursday, but you had two big shots down the stretch. You had the three off the side on the two-man game with Kevin, and then the two-pointer inside. So you didn't lose confidence. You came back. Absolutely. You hit two big shots. You always got to stay down until you come up. Uh, I trust in my work. Uh, James trusted me. That's one of my best friends on this planet. Uh, speaking of James, man, James is is one hell of a coach. I really hope like people get to finally see that, like his X and O's, his knowledge of the game, the things he knows, and and, and how he talks to everybody. Everybody is different, and the way James connects with his players, and the way he flow everything throughout the team, knowing everybody uh, one by one, new guys, old guys, and whatnot. James is just really good at what he does. He drew that player. That play that Eric just hit, he called that out four times, and we never got a chance to run it. Ran it, boom, game over. You know what I mean? Tavon, the uh, first chance you had, you went inside to KJ, and he had yep. that shot missed. So you were, you were, were you looking for that play then? We were originally trying to look for that play, but Eric made a mistake and stayed corner side. So that's when KJ took it upon himself and just went. Uh, uh, post up by KJ, that's always a good shot for us. Yeah, it is. I don't care if it's 10 people, 15 people under there. It could be LeBron. I get a ball to KJ on the post, I'm feeling confident. That's how I feel. Seriously. Well, overall, defensively tonight, you guys were really aggressive. I thought you were excellent. You got your hands on a ton of balls, deflections, yeah. knocking it away. What do you think about the defensive effort tonight? Uh, I thought our defense was great. Uh, Quincy's not here right now, but when, when we got Q, Q we're going to be tough. He's about 6'10", can guard guards. And uh, I think if I just, you know, like I said, lower them turnovers, they don't got them easy well, layups, you yeah. know what I mean? Hey, to your credit, you had seven assists. I'll give you that. I had seven dollars? Yeah, seven assists. Come on now. <laughs> I right. do this now. Get in that locker room I and celebrate. This. Thanks, Tavon. All right, thank you guys. It. There he is, Tavon Myers joining Thursday. us here. He finishes up the night. Nine points, seven assists. Eric Stevenson wins it on a three, 70 to 68. That's Tavion, or Tavon Myers after the best Virginia win in the TBT last night, and they will move on to play. Heard that tomorrow, and you can listen to that game right here at 7 o'clock on WPM and WCST, the Panhandle News Network. And one of the bigger storylines to come out of that game last night was all of a sudden I start seeing pictures and videos and tweets and Facebook posts about old Bob Huggins being in <laughs> attendance for the game last night. And then even when they hit that shot at the end of the game, I can't remember who it was off the top of my head. Stevenson. Yeah, he ran over. Mm -hmm in the direction of where Huggins was sitting, threw a thumbs up and pointed at him or in that direction and things. So uh, how you feeling about that? Talk about uh, subplots in a game uh, or in the Barbie movie. How do you feel about uh, this subplot in the best Virginia game? This is, I mean, could it be a better version of how Bob Huggins could have retired with yep. grace and had this be mm -hmm. how he's treated for the rest of his career? We don't have to revisit that because, unfortunately, people are reigniting those conversations after what happened last night. I mean, his players, as far as his players are concerned, you know, he's like a father figure yeah. for them. You know, they're never going to change their affinity for him. John Flowers said as much when he talked to us a couple of days ago and Stevenson as well. And we were just kind of commenting during those Myers comments. Huggins looks healthier, you know, yeah. hopefully he went through a, a real, real rehabilitation and, you know, can just live out the rest of his life and just, you know, be peaceful and go back to being a Mountaineer legend and try to put this behind him. But I have 
you know, no issue with the Stevens and them going over and doing that because again, I mean, he's their guy. Um, and it was good to see that that didn't get out of that didn't overshadow the game. Right. You know, people could show up and this guy's yelling at Huggins and this guy's standing up for Huggins and people are talking, you know, all this, that and the other. You know, he showed up, took a couple of pictures, sat down, showed him on TV a couple of times. They won the game. They pointed at Huggins, and that was kind of it. And I think that was the appropriate response for him being there. And I hope this is a eventual lead to him slowly fading off into the sunset because, again, if we take this time and he settles in and say, okay, this is the end of my career, and he, and he admits to himself he made some pretty poor choices, maybe in a few years we can have what we've been talking about to – hopefully be at West Virginia. He's honored as a coach. He's celebrated. And we hopefully can think of this as just a little bump of the road in the long tenured career and Bob Huggins' coaching career. Hmm. But it those are the moments like that. He didn't he didn't make a scene. He didn't bring him he didn't bring a lot of attention to himself, which I think is important because he's brought a lot of attention to himself <laughs> over the past month and a half to two months at this point. But I think he just showed there, showed support for some former players. And, yeah, we've seen players. Bob Huggins is a father figure to every one of his athletes. That's that's how he is. And that's why I think a lot of the players that were coming in to play for West Virginia this season wanted to play for Bob Huggins because he is like a father figure. And he's one of the greatest college basketball coaches of all time. You, you could break him where you want to. I think he's easily top 20 at this point. But it's it's one of those things where he – I think him not making a scene is an important first step into the healing process for both West Virginia and Bob Huggins long-term. Yeah, because he's never going to be the silent figure around. I mean, he's Bob Huggins. He's always going to be Bob Huggins. So he's going to get that attention regardless. But I agree with you. And as I'm looking at this video of Stevens, uh, Stevenson pointing at Coach Huggins after the game, looking at their jerseys, WVU might need to take a cue from these West Virginia jerseys because they're nice. Yeah, and, and they got the shadow of the mountains on the chest. Sweet. They got the logo on the leg. It looks sweet. And that was kind of fun. I, I guess I can say it now since I don't do the tournament anymore. The best part about working TVT was going into the Puma room where they have all the gear laid out for the athletes. It's like, is anybody around? I'll take a T-shirt. You know, don't come after me. <laughs> for, for the Maryland team, the Shellshock uh, team, they won their uh, first game and are moving on uh, on the opposite side of the bracket from Heard That in West Virginia. And um, they won on the Elam ending on a crazy spinning shot off the glass and everything. And right as, uh, I can't remember the guy's name, but as he came down and the shot went in, everybody's celebrating, he's pointing at his Puma shoes. He's like, I did it in these. I did it in these. That's someone that wants a shoe deal really <laughs> yeah. bad. But uh, and I, I think I, it was good. And I did want to add, I, we didn't get to bring this up with uh, John on the show because I didn't want to kind of darken the mood. But they're also wearing the insignia on those jerseys for Billy Hahn, who passed away. Long, oh, yeah. Longtime assistant coach under Bob Huggins, a former head coach himself. There's a BH on both of the jerseys. Uh, if people didn't notice that, 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 that's what that's for. Well, again, we'll have uh, Best Virginia and Heard That right here on the airwaves tomorrow at 7 o'clock. Uh, but if you want to get in touch with us, you can text us, 304-263-4321. We'll be back after this on WPM and WCST, the Panhandle News Network. Panhandle Sports Live, your home for sports in the Panhandle. Here's Jordan, Luke, and Parker. Welcome back to Panhandle Sports Live, broadcasting live from the Hoppy Kirchville building. I'm Jordan Ice Warner, alongside me, Luke Wiggs and Parker Stone. 
Of course, you're on WPM, WCST, the Panhandle News Network during uh, football season. We'll have your high school football games of the week on Friday. And then over on the Big Dog on Saturdays, we'll have um, your Shepherd football. But also on Fridays, over on 92.9 WXDC, you'll hear Parker Stone doing a little Berkeley Springs football. And coming up here after a bit, we're going to be chatting with the new Berkeley Springs head football coach, Wes Eddy, about the uh, well, the hurdles and the challenges that he has uh, ahead of him and the team this coming season. But Parker, I've been looking around, and of course on Facebook, I've been seeing uh, with Berkeley Springs Indians football, they've been working out hard. They've been doing practices or um like community practices and getting the, the the community involved. And then I also saw that prep zone, prep red zone, West Virginia has four, count them four Berkeley Springs Indians on their rising stars list. Uh, a couple of them, Aiden Kane, you got Holton Gerson on the list and a couple of different ones. So of course we've talked about uh, Berkeley Springs, of course, losing one of their big, uh, big name wide receivers this year. He transferred over to Hedgesville. So with that being said, and with the work that it seems like Coach Eddie and this team's been putting on in the offseason park, how are you feeling about Berkeley Springs football moving ahead? Uh, I'm a little hopeful for it coming into this season. Of course, if you didn't keep track of last year's Tribe football season, the Tribe went winless last year. And I think that that's really the first big hurdle. When we talked to Coach Eddie closer to when he was named the new head coach for Berkeley Springs, he mentioned that maybe the schedule they had was maybe not up to where their level was at at that time because you see some of those teams, you're playing a Wheeling Central Catholic who's been in deep into the single-A playoffs multiple seasons. You got Tucker County who had a really fantastic season last year that really took it to the Tribe. It, I think the biggest thing right now is if we see this team take the next step and the next stride. I'm, what Coach Ray did there, that team came – any and any other year they make the playoffs that couple in a couple years ago how they're going to reload I think is going to be important because last year they just got gutted by skill positions they lost their starting running back in Evan Thompson they lost Tommy Ross played did, wasn't able to play he only played the final game of the season for Berkeley Springs you lose now Hunter Ambrose who was a big piece of that team he was a two-time Potomac Valley player he's going to try and make the team over at Fairmont State this year there's there's a lot of pieces that you need to replace. Austin Patton's another one, too, on the defensive line. And I think the big thing right now, because we've mentioned Coach Eddie, he, his background, at least for coaching, he's been more run-oriented as a coach. He's got to find a running back, I think, because I, I felt like the entire season, Carl Lester Allen, Allen was playing running back for the Tribe. It felt like, to me, it was, it was a wide receiver playing running back. I think Carl Lester Allen's more of a natural wide receiver. So they found something in Connor Duvall, who was a quarterback for the first half of the season. They transitioned him over to running back, where I think he performed a little bit better. So I, I'm interested to see what Coach Eddie has to say, if he's locked in on Aiden Kane at quarterback, because he did mention it was an open competition when he got this job and how really he's looking to transform this offense and what he's wanting to do this upcoming season for Berkeley Springs. Yeah. Yeah, I agree as well. I mean, that's the thing. I feel like Berkeley Springs football is somewhat on the lines of uh, Shepherd football right yeah. now, where there's so many question marks. Mm -hmm. Two years ago, the Berkeley Springs, they had that good season uh, where they were just so upperclassmen heavy. And then, of course, once that happens, you know that there's going to be a little bit of a lull in the program for a while. And then, of course, you lose Coach Ray. He goes down to Washington. So it'll be interesting to talk with, uh, with Coach Eddie to see how he's been able to kind of navigate things there in Morgan County a little bit. I, I just think that the biggest thing for them is just to win a couple of ball games this year. Mm -hmm. You know, if they go 0-10 again, that kind of starts to hurt people's willingness to come out for the football program. So come out, yeah. you know, even if you're 2-8, and 
three and seven, play some exciting football, and get the younger kids that come because everybody goes. You know, everybody knows where to go in Morgan County on a Friday night and watch. Yeah. You know, watching football and cheer on the tribe, and get you know the next generation inspired to build something, which is something West City is more than capable of doing. And then I think they'll have some long-term success. Well, stick around after the break. We'll be chatting with Berkeley Springs head football coach Wes Eddy here on Panhandle Sports Live on WPM and WCST, the Panhandle News Network. Mix up your sports coverage with Panhandle Sports Live, heard on the Panhandle News Network. Welcome back to Panhandle Sports Live, broadcasting live from the Hoppy Kirchville building. I'm Jordan Ice Warner, alongside me, Luke Wiggs and Parker Stone. And joining us on the line, Berkeley Springs head football coach, Wes Eddy. Coach, how you doing this morning? Everything is uh, fantastic. I hope you guys are doing well. Doing just fine. Appreciate you taking a little time to chat with us this morning. And before we dive deep into Berkeley Springs football, uh, how you getting along in Morgan County? How you liking your, uh, your new community? Everything's fantastic up there. Uh, nice people. Uh, coaching staff came together well. Uh, everybody from the superintendent chair down to, uh, you know, wherever you want to end, everybody's really helped uh, out, and they're uh, trying to move the football program into a situation that uh, can find success year in and year out. Well, last year, of course, wasn't the uh, the best season for Berkeley Springs football. So you're kind of starting with a fresh slate here. So what are some of your uh, what what are some of the objectives for Berkeley Springs football and for your coaching staff this year? The kids uh, have been in the weight room, uh, thanks to uh, Coach uh, Ambrose, Coach Breed, and Coach Bernard. They've all uh, been doing this since January, so they've been. Uh, working hard at that, trying to get that right. And uh, just the, the main objective is uh, we're trying to, to build a, a positive environment and a, a place where there's no excuses and that uh, the kids are holding each other accountable to the work that needs to be done to be able to find success. And coach, I think one of the interesting things back to your coaching staff that came together in this season, there was one name that popped up later on. It was a person in the college ranks, Paul Price. He was a former head coach at Concord University, had some stops at West Virginia State as well. So can you explain how that connection kind of happened and how he made his way to Morgan County? I met uh, Coach Price a a long time ago when he was at Wesleyan. And uh, when Paul was coaching the defense for Coach Garen Justice at Concord, Garen's a great friend of mine. That's Garrett Justice is one of my best friend's brother. So just by that, I've become very good friends with him. He's the O-line coach at uh, Southern Methodist University. And uh, Paul was coaching the defense for Garen at that time when I was the head coach at Princeton. So I would go up there a lot to uh, pick their brains and uh, talk ball and just learn about uh, coaching philosophy in general. So I got to be good friends with Paul. And Paul's uh, daughter lives over in our area. She's a pharmacist, and uh, his grandkids are over here. So this was just a, uh, a natural fit for him to come in and uh, take this on. And he can spend a lot of time now with his family and uh, less time recruiting and doing the, uh, the many hats that he had at uh, West Virginia State. Well, Coach, uh, now spending some time with the with the guys, obviously, you know, in your new stomping grounds, you want to know what kind of hand you've been dealt. So in terms of personnel, what's kind of surprised you about the crop of players that you had and uh, what, what are you starting to expect from them in this upcoming season? I think you always have to 
develop expectations, and the kids have done that. I think that the good news is is that last year a lot of these kids had to play early as uh, either 10th or 9th graders, so they have their feet wet. And now uh, coming back, a lot of them have experience. So, you know, playing on the varsity level isn't something that uh, is going to shock them. So we, uh, our skill kids have uh, done a great job so far. They've uh, shown a lot of promise. And uh, the one thing that I'm interested in is it looks like there's a lot of kids uh, up front that are going to be fighting for jobs. So there's definitely some talent there, and uh, attitudes are getting correct. And uh, I'm excited to, uh, you know, kick things off at uh, 8 a.m. on Monday morning next week, see where we can go. We'll go into depth on that on those offensive and defensive lines a little bit because Hunter Ambrose, a big piece of that tribe team, was their heart and soul for a long, long time. He graduates this past year, going to make some things happen over at Fairmont State. Austin Patton, another guy that's off this team this year, he's graduated. Talk about the uh, depth and the competition going on the offensive line. Seth Armantrout, another guy as well that's coming back for this season. So where can we be seeing these big competitions at for the offensive and defensive lines for the season? Well, just that's a, a perfect place to start is with a kid like Seth. Uh, last year, <clears throat> excuse me, last year he was thrown into the fire early maybe as a 10th grader, and now as a junior he has some experience, so he should be a kid that we should really be able to count on coming back. And uh, with him working on a few uh, different techniques uh, at uh, tackle for us and getting uh, a little bit better. I think that he'll be a really nice uh, asset. Uh, I'd like our uh, – I know we have uh, uh, Purdy coming back. He's got some time. He's going to play either at center or tackle for us. And uh, I know that we have Christian Norris, who uh, just went crazy in the weight room, I think. He, he really has some nice numbers, and he's uh, a quick – kid that's going to be able to play guard so I'm, I'm really excited to see where he goes this year on both sides of the ball so we've got some kids uh that uh, have really put in some time in the weight room and they've worked on uh, getting a little bit quicker getting a little bit better at pooling and things like that so uh, up front I think that we'll have some depth Landon Hellman's back at center he uh, played there all last year and uh, this will be his senior campaign so we have some kids up front that, that have a lot of varsity experience. You know, they basically started uh, the 10-game uh, set last year. So, Yeah, we're speaking with Burke. Uh, I'm sorry, Coach. Remy, Go ahead. We have uh, Remy, uh, we have, uh, Remy Stiles coming back next uh, or this year. He uh, played at the Berkeley Springs in uh, – a year or two ago, and he's a kid that's really worked hard and got himself into shape. And I think that uh, he, he'll fit in at a guard somewhere for us. And, uh, you know, we got two tight ends with uh, Adam Rippian and Luke Burtz. So up front we have some guys that I think that'll be something that uh, could possibly become a strength of ours. And the neatest thing about this is it's double A. I'm hoping that, you know, if all the cards fall perfect for us, is you know we could build a five-man line up front and not use it at all on defense, and mm. I think that would be massive for us to be two platoons like that. 
Yeah, we're speaking with Berkeley Springs head football coach Wes Eddy. Say, I'm looking at <clears throat> on your Facebook page here, and you posted the prep red zone West Virginia. They named four of your uh, ball players, uh, Seth Armantrout, uh, among those. But Aiden Kane, one of the names that pops up. Uh, of course, you also have Connor Duvall that pops up in there too. So yeah, it seems like you got your line. You're starting to get that figured out. But it also seems like you got some uh, some key points and some spotlight guys on the uh, skill position end as well. Yeah, the sky's the limit for Aiden. Uh, not only, you know, can he throw the ball, uh, he can run. And he's uh, a kid that, for us, I think that if uh, he's uh, missed at the first level, he's a kid that uh, is hard to catch. So the sky's the limit for him. And when he's focused and he's got his head on uh, straight, he's just a kid that's going to be special to watch. And uh, he's gotten better every uh, week that's went by this offseason. So uh, I'm proud of him, and I think that he's learning to lead us. And uh, that's a, a huge part of the uh, equation to getting better is having uh, a kid in front of the offensive huddle taking control. Connor Duvall, he, uh, he can run the ball well. He catches out of the backfield well. He can walk. He's a very good back. And um, we also are uh, excited about our, our slot guys. They have some quicks, uh, and they also are uh, pretty adept at catching the ball. So we're excited about the backs that we have. I think that we can uh, get the ball outside a little bit and then still be able to pound up between the tackles of Connor. And coach, as well, early on in the season, you're going to have a little bit of a reunion of sorts. You were a former head coach at East Fairmont. You're going there week three. How's that? Uh, how's it been seeking in East Fairmont? Was a playoff team last year. They had a really great season. So, how's the uh, team looking to go? Maybe get a maybe a revenge win over East Fairmont if you're looking for that. No, I, I the only thing I'm worried about is uh, Petersburg. The uh, other ones down the road, I, I don't circle any games. Um, you know, I, I don't. I have nothing uh, to uh, think about with revenge. I'm just hoping that we go down to Petersburg and, and we show that we've grown and we've gotten better and that the, the kids compete and they're running to the ball and that they're playing as hard as they possibly can. If, we, if we're doing that on August 25th, then you can check out, you can check off a lot of boxes at that time. Well, uh, I guess a different scheduling question then for me, Coach, you, you know, regardless of wins and losses, it seems as though for a double-A team that's in a kind of remote part of the state, you guys have had a pretty favorable travel schedule this year. I know Philip Barber is probably going to be a bear to get to, but would you agree that, you know, you're staying close with Greencastle, uh, Kaiser, you know, East Fairmont's not that far down the road that, you know, Berkeley Springs in the past has had to go on some marathons to find some games that it seems like you guys have a pretty favorable schedule when it terms in terms of mileage that you're going to be putting on the bus. This year will be the last uh, year for some of those contracts. We're trying to stay over here in this area. Looking down the road in 24, uh, people like Moorfield and Clear Springs come back onto the schedule. So uh, Clear Springs is really easy. Uh, trip to get to Moorfield is under 90 minutes to get to. So we want to try to stay on this side of the continental divide as much as possible. Uh, going, going back over towards I-79 on any type of bus, whether it's school or charter, it's very difficult. It's so time-consuming. And uh, anymore, it just kills your budget when you have to 
get a charter or feed the kids on the road and not at the school. So we're trying to stay over here so our fans can get to the games, uh, things like that. And, Coach, I wanted to get your perspective on this as well. The uh, one-time transfer rule in West Virginia has been a hotbed of topic for a month, a month of the summer at this point. You've been coaching at all different levels in the state of West Virginia in high school sports, Princeton, a triple-A program. You've been in double-A programs as well, experience in the single-A level as well. So where, where do you think things stand right now with this in this one-time transfer rule? Do you think there should be more relegations on it? Or are you in favor of it? How are you feeling on it? I think that in this day and age, uh, you know, this is the, uh, I think in 2000, 2005, people started using the term information age. And, uh, you know, right around now, we're in the disinformation age. And I think that people that are outside of programs are having a uh, huge influence on kids uh, and ma- helping them make decisions that maybe aren't the best for them. I, I really, I'm not a person that, uh, I'm not for it whatsoever uh, to transfer for athletic reasons. And um, I definitely believe that wherever you're at, if you want to uh, try to achieve at a high level, that uh, it's possible. Because uh, I don't care if you're uh, in Pickens, West Virginia, if you're a really good defensive back, even though they don't even have football. You know, you're going to get found. You're going to get on huddles. You're going to get on social medias. You're going to go to camps and things like that. You're going to be found. So I think that um, it's a dangerous thing. It's uh, another added pressure on kids that they just absolutely don't need. And I I think that uh, it brings in some uh, outside influences that the the kids don't need and the, uh, the coaches that are involved in high school sports right now don't really need. Yeah, we're speaking with Berkeley Springs head football coach Wes Eddy. One more question for you before uh, we let you go. Uh, it seems like the the recipe to success in the state of West Virginia, you see from your Morgantowns, your Bridgeports, your Martinsburgs, and the like, is that you know it really gets started at the youth level, uh, getting you know the interest up, getting kids to know the process and the system. And it seems like you've started to build that a little bit uh, with your short time at Berkeley Springs so far. Again, looking at your Facebook page, you've had some camps uh, with the community coming out. you got guys coming out to conditioning and things. So has the turnout been pretty good? Is the excitement there for Berkeley Springs football ahead of the season? I hope so. We've tried our best uh, to make a connection to the Wolves program. And the uh, camp that we had was well-received. There was uh, good attendance there. I think we had 40 kids ages uh, 6 through uh, 12 to 13. And I uh, think they all had fun being around our players and getting to be involved in uh, what they, uh, you know, getting to learn the stuff that they do daily in practice. So the connection with them is huge, and we're going to try to have youth night this year at one of our games where they get uh, introduced by their teams out on the uh, field at halftime. So all those, those are all things that we're trying to do to uh, build interest in the program. So I, I've been very lucky that the coaches with the Wolves have uh, welcomed us with open arms, and we've welcomed them with them uh, the same exact way. We've actually uh, even had a, a coach's clinic hmm. with uh, the Wolves program and uh, didn't necessarily X and O, but what we talked about was how to practice structure and 
uh, practice drills and things like that. So I think we're on the right path, and uh, I'm just glad that there's such a good dialogue between the programs right now. Okay, we're speaking with Berkeley Springs head football coach Wes Eddy. Appreciate you taking a little time to chat with us this morning. Of course, you can tune in to every Berkeley Springs football game over on 92.9 to BXDC with Parker Stone. But, Coach, we'll be keeping an eye on you. We'll be rooting for you, and good luck this season. Thank you for the coverage that you guys provide. You all have a great show, and uh, I look forward to seeing you here in August. Absolutely. Thank you, Coach. Thank you. And that's Berkeley Springs head football coach Wes Eddy joining us here on Panhandle Sports Live. If you've been staying in the conversation, you can listen back to it a little bit later on, but we'll get to this final break. We'll come back, get Parker's picks, and start to wrap things up on Panhandle Sports Live on WPM and WCST, the Panhandle News Network. It's Panhandle Sports Live with Jordan, Luke, and Parker. Tweet the guys at EP Sports Network. Welcome back to Panhandle Sports Live, broadcasting live from the Hoppy Kirchville building. You can text us 304-263-4321. Tweet us at EP Sports Network. I'm Jordan Ice Warner alongside me, Luke Wiggs and Parker Stone. Yeah, well, that's called beginner's luck. Luck, 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 Yeah, I like to call this my lock of the day. Prove it, it's never fails. Never failed once. It is late night Wednesday for Parker's Picks today. All of our picks going on at 8 o'clock or later. You know what we forgot yesterday? We forgot Dinger Tuesday yesterday. We did. I know. I know. Dinger Tuesday. You you know what? I'm going to add in one as a a makeshift for us missing Dinger Tuesday. I apologize. I don't know what... I think just popped into my brain. I think I was still just really flustered from the what happened on Monday. (laughs) I think uh, genuinely He's never fully recovered, folks. He hasn't. That and from the jet, jet lag, lag from Denver when we went down <laughs> a year there. Ago. <laughs> yeah. So it's yeah, it's a it's a rough road. But apologies on missing Dinger Tuesday. We're gonna make up for today. So today's Dinger Tuesday or now Dinger Wednesday. You know what? Let's it's just your dinger. Way gone Wednesday. Way gone Wednesday. We're gonna take Cody Bellinger to hit a home run today for the Chicago Cubs against the Chicago White Sox. It's the Battle of Chicago today. If you're taking a home run, I'm going for Belly to get a home run today for the Chicago Cubs. And they're actually today's lock of the day. I have the Cubs beating the White Sox today. That's today's lock. I think Chicago right now, they I think they have a real chance to win the National League Central with the way they are right now. Bellinger has revived his career in Chicago. Marcus Stroman's one of the best top five pitchers in baseball right now. They got a really good shot to make some noise. And I think they beat the White Sox, who could be big-time sellers at the deadline as well. With the pieces they have, I got the Cubs with the win today. That's today's lock of the day. The U.S. Women's National Team gets the win over the Netherlands as well, as well as well as we got Bayheim's Army and the TBT taking down the Nerd Team. So, wait, the Nerd they look really good in round one, though. To be fair, nerd to the team. Nerd Team, a lot, a lot of off-ball movement, as you would expect. Yeah, a lot of V cuts. Yeah, exactly. There you go. A lot of John Wooden basketball. There you go. But yeah, so uh, again, apologies missing Dinger Tuesday. So we're gonna won't take, happen again, folks. Won't happen again. Cody Bellinger hits the home run today. We're going to go with the Cubs with the win, Bayheim's Army, and the TBT with the win, and the U.S. Women's National Team beating the Netherlands today. And, of course, we're home for Baltimore Orioles baseball. We'll have them back on the airwaves tonight. But uh, last night, well, we're used to seeing the Orioles winning in the ninth inning in some way or another, but the Phillies end up doing so with a two-run bottom of the ninth to win 4-3 to three over the uh, O's last night. Series split one apiece right now going into the rubber, ba- rubber match tonight. So how are we feeling uh, with a little bit of a skid from the Orioles last night? It is what it is. I mean, this isn't on Cano. Jorge Mateo was horrible defensively, and that's something that needs to change because he's supposed to be up here for his defense. 
So, I mean, it, it is what it is. It's a shame that Cano had to give up those runs, but the Orioles need to figure out things defensively and not create another problem for themselves. If they can take two out of three on the road against Philadelphia, I consider it a win. The Phillies are probably going to make the playoffs. So if you take game three here, I think you're still in a good spot. Well, of course, you could text us 304-263-4321. We'll have the game on at 6 o'clock tonight for first pitch. Uh, we got about a minute left, fellas. Anything else you want to hit? Yeah, congratulations. Berkeley Post 14 run, won their first game yesterday in the state tournament, beat Parkersburg 3-2. to They play again at 4.30. We'll talk about that game tomorrow. And Joe Manchin and Tommy Tuberville are authoring legislation to potentially put restrictions on NIL money and collegiate athletics. If we have some time to talk about that tomorrow, that's going to be an interesting conversation. Yeah, definitely something to dig into for tomorrow. Also, celebrating as a Giants fan, Andrew Thomas just got a humongous payday from New York, over $100 million and a new extension. Happy to hear about that. But yeah, I, I'm excited. to Definitely we got to dig into that a little bit more tomorrow, that uh, Manchin-Tuberville NIL thing, because it, it could change some of the stuff. For, potentially for better, I think, and put some guardrails on what has been the Wild West of NIL, what's becoming more pay-to-play, pay-to-win in college sports. I'm interested to see what legislation is going to go with the NIL, but yeah. Well, like I said, if you missed any show today, you can listen back to it a little bit later on on our Panhandle News Network Facebook and Spotify page. You can always get in touch with us. You can text us 304-263-4321. Tweet us at EP Sports Network. Got Baltimore Orioles baseball back on the air tonight. The rubber match against the Phillies at 6.05 at first pitch. Then they'll have off tomorrow. But tomorrow we'll have TBT. Heard that. And Best Virginia right here on the airwaves at 7 o'clock, I believe, here on WPM and WCST. Set does it for us today. Missed day the show. Listen back to it a little bit later on. For Parker and Luke, I'm Jordan. Panhandle Live is next. Have a good one. We will talk to you tomorrow. WEPM Martinsburg and WCST Berkeley Springs, a WVRC media station. We're proud to live here, too.